Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, movie friends. I finally watched Olivia Wilde's film, Don't Worry, Darling. Here are my thoughts. I'm going to warn you, this is going to be heavy spoilers. And also, I was not a fan of this movie. I'm just going to get that out of the way. I think that there are good aspects to the film, whether it be Matthew Libatique's incredible cinematography, costuming, wardrobe, production design, uh, the score, very good. All around these elements do help the film and make it, I think, tolerable. But ultimately, I think the epic failure of the film comes to the filmmaker's lack of respect for the audience. And when I mean lack of respect, I'm talking about the inability or unwillingness in a lot of ways to really explain the world that was created in any way, shape, or form. I left this film asking so many questions that should have been answered. So many things were left up in the air. And even worse is that it seemed like there was no effort really put into trying to explain the world that the filmmakers created. In the trailer for the film, it looked kind of interesting, but... And I mean, we've seen these themes in movies so many times, time and time again, especially in the last several years. And I felt like it was like this half-baked attempt to try and do something profound, and it was never really delivered. And in a lot of ways, it was basically just a bunch of money shots for a trailer. It, it seemed like there was really no substance to it. And I felt like I was kind of just getting ripped off just by watching the movie. And what I mean by that is that when a story is written and there are high concepts or big moments happening or mystery and intrigue, those are all great elements to put in a story. But they need to be paid off. And these setups need to be explained. If something is shown early in the film, there needs to be an explanation for it. If there's a mystery going on, I mean, we need to be told what that mystery is by the end of the film. I'm always open to ambiguous endings. But this film, in a lot of ways, just kind of felt like a slap in the face to the audience. And it's an inability to really want to tell the audience what it was doing. And I left the film with 17 major questions that were not answered and. These are really big questions. These are things that it's not just a little thing. I found it to just be completely disrespectful to the, the audience and the people who paid for a ticket to go see this film to not even make the attempt to explain these things. And I put that on the filmmakers, the writer and director. I thought it was just really disrespectful to people to set up all these things in the story to get people to go to the theater and to just be basically be like, oh, yeah, remember all this stuff? Don't worry about it. It's not really important anymore. So I'm going to get into that because I think that it's important when people go to a film and put spend their hard-earned money on spending two hours, two and a half hours with a movie. We deserve to be you know, entertained and be given a good story and at least to have the respect to actually make the effort to finish the story. And so I'm going to list off a bunch of questions I had with Don't Worry Darling that I found completely irresponsible by the filmmakers to just leave completely open-ended. So the first major question is, what was the plane crash? Now, if you remember, this is the catalyst for the film, Florence Pugh's character. She sees the plane flying through midair, crashing and crash lands. And then she is, she 
goes past the border and to investigate the plane crash. And this is when she first sees the headquarters and she uh, presses her face and hands to the glass of the headquarters and she's like, what the hell is this? Now, the plane was the catalyst for the story basically to begin. It is never touched on again. We are never told what that plane was. We are never told why the plane was crashing. We were never told where it even came from. This is obviously a simulation designed by Chris Pine's character. Why is it there? If he has complete control of the simulation in the environment, why is there a plane flying through the air out of control and then crash landing? I felt it was just a completely unfair thing to put in the film to not explain it. I thought it was interesting in the first act of the film, but then at the end of the film when the credits rolled and we got no explanation whatsoever about what this plane was, what it was doing there, I found that to just be like a complete slap in the face of like, oh yeah, don't worry about this. Even though even though it set the story into motion, don't worry about it. I found that to just be completely ir- irresponsible by the filmmakers. Now, to question number two. Why didn't Alice exit the simulation when she first touched the headquarters? So if you remember by the end of the film, Alice escapes the simulation by making to the headquarters after that big car chase. And all she has to do is basically touch the glass of the headquarters and then she is transported out of the game and she basically gains consciousness back in her real life body if you remember in the opening act of the film after the plane investigation she touches the headquarters there but she didn't get transported back to her body why did she get transported back at the end of the film when she touched the headquarters as opposed to the first half of the film when she touched the headquarters she should have just been transported back to her bedroom and woken up next to her husband. Completely, like, doesn't make any sense at all why it wouldn't work in the opening of the film and why it does work at the end of the film. Next up, does Alice have no family or friends who would come looking for her in the real world? Now, the finale of the film, the third act, is a, a twist where we learn that her husband, Jack, has basically held her captive and is keeping her in this simulation against her will. She, he has her strapped to her bed, and she's just been like this for who knows how long. It's probably been over a year, maybe several years. And this is how they've been living their life. And to me, it made no sense that this person has no friends or family that have gone looking for them. They've basically, it's basically a missing persons case. Does she not have any family? I mean, if you explain, hey, there's nobody that is related to this girl anymore at all, and if she had a job where she wasn't interacting with other people, or even no job at all, okay, I might buy it, but the fact that she works a job as a, as a nurse in a busy hospital probably has a lot of coworkers, and I'm sure she has family. I found it completely ridiculous that nobody would come looking for her Nobody would ask a question. No one would even knock on Jack's door. Hey, where's Alice? Has anyone seen Alice? So I found that to just be completely ridiculous and really unfair to have this entire setup and then have it just be like, oh yeah, let's just pre- let's pretend that all these other factors are non-existent. Okay, next up, number four. Why on earth would Frank create a simulation that can kill you if you die within the game? Now, at the end of the film, during the climactic third act... Several members of the simulation are killed. Frank is stabbed by his wife. And then we, then we got Jack is killed by Alice. Now, if this simulation is built by Jack just to live a perfect life of pleasure and enjoyment and comfort, 
Why on earth would he make the program kill you if you die in the simulation? This really makes absolutely no sense. Now, if you look at the Matrix, it it can be explained where they didn't create the Matrix, they're just entering the Matrix. So that part of the Matrix killing you is out of the control of the hackers. That's explained that way. In this case, Jack is the creator of the simulation. Why on earth would he make a simulation that can kill you? Like, what if you're just driving and you get into a car accident and you die? You die in the simulation? That is, it's just ridiculous that he would build this simulation that had the ability to take your life. Again, just another thing that doesn't make any sense in the world that they created. And now, speaking of the simulation. So, Frank built a sophisticated simulation for only, like, six people to enjoy. Like, six dudes to enjoy. Like, I don't... The, the the level and scale of this kind of program is not existent today. And we're still decades away from this kind of uh, uh, technology. It's going to happen, but it's we're still a long ways away. And so imagine the resources, the time, the the money to that was put into building this thing. And it's just for like a couple of guys to enjoy. It really made no sense to me when you also you factor in all of Frank's speeches about changing the world. And we're like, we're like making a new era and uh, like we're taking back control and like all these change the world speeches. What are you talking about? If only like five people are involved in in this entire project, how is that changing the world? Really doesn't make any sense to me. Next up. Another thing that's not explained is that Alice has probably been lying in that bed against her will, strapped down, and basically stuck in the simulation for who knows how long. I'm estimating it's at least a couple of years. And it really, like, again, this means that Jack has to, like, take care of her actual physical body in the real world, whether it be changing her, preventing her from getting bed sores, cleaning her when her body goes to the bathroom, also feeding her like we get this shot of him just dripping some water into her mouth but like you really need to be feeding this human being to get them to survive and she's clearly not malnourished so she's being fed um i found it to be just be like so lazy to set this up and have absolutely no way of really explaining how jack is keeping her body not only alive but still thriving in a lot of ways i understand if like maybe she was like super malnourished and lost a ton of weight and because he can't like feed her that well but she needs to be like fed like I don't know intravenously or something but just like dropping some waters droplets in her mouth that was the way to explain it I found that to just be like come on real that's all you're gonna explain that's all you're gonna show if they're doing this montage and this reveal we need to see everything we need to, we need to see everything explained and also the fact that I mean if someone's lying down in one spot for extended periods of time, uh, they're going to develop bed sores, which can be a really ghastly thing. And that's definitely going to happen to Alice if she's not being moved at all. Again, speaking of Alice and all of these women who are, and even the men who are entering the simulation. So at the end of the film, we re- it's revealed how the simulation is, uh, it, how it works. And basically these two things, these this technology device that straps around your head and keeps your eyes open. And projects, it seems like, the like a hologram of some kind. But it looks like it like basically puts you under into the simulation. But while you're in the simulation, your eyes remain completely open. Now, I'm not sure if the filmmakers even thought of this, but your eyes need to be moist. 
they dry out very quickly. I mean, I can't keep my eyes open for more than like 20 seconds without having to, like, I can't, I'm terrible at staring contests. That's why in a movie like Clockwork Orange, which this is definitely uh, making a calling card to, while Alex has his eyes open and being forced to watch all of the footage of war and destruction and death, there's a doctor constantly putting wedding drops in his eyes, constantly, because of how important moisture is to the eyes to get them to even work. And if your eyes remain open for extended periods of time without any moisture, there's you're you're looking at irreparable damage. And this film had made no attempt to even um, work around that. It makes no sense that, and especially for Alice and the other women who have been under in the simulation for who knows how long. Their eyes should have just been completely dried up raisins and infected by now. And it's just. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For a simulation, it didn't make any any sense that that's the way it works where your eyes remain open. Why not just have like a black mirror thing where they put something to your temple to access your brain? And It, it made no sense. It, 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 it only makes sense to enter a simulation if your eyes are closed. So to not even address the biology of the human body, again, just completely ir- 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 irresponsible. And just like I was watching that like, wait, Alice's eyes have been open for what, two years straight? Ridiculous. Okay, next up. <clears throat> How exactly does Frank really profit from this? Because um, building something like this, not only are the resources intense and would require immense amounts of money, but in order to keep this kind of simulation running, it would take a powerful network, incredible computer system, and a hell of a lot of electricity and power. I mean, mining just mining Bitcoin, that's expensive. That costs quite a bit. And so I would I mean I would estimate that the entire simulation costs a huge sum of money every month just to keep it going. And now Jack says that he tells Alice that he's been like working two jobs and just to pay for this so that they can live this perfect life. I'm sure Jack couldn't have gotten any high paying jobs especially because he was kind of like a bum doing nothing for so long. I'm sure his jobs are low wages. Same with the other guys. If not, if the, if these guys are in the simulation, they're not successful people. Um, so I can no, I can't imagine how much money Jack is even earning from these like literally five other guys that are paying for the simulation. It doesn't add up at all for a network like this to really make a profit. He would need lots of people to join the simulation, which is why I think the small scale of the simulation still doesn't make any sense at all. Um, it seems like 
unless Jack is a multi-billionaire, he's just burning money every day that the simulation exists and is running. Next up, <clears throat> why does Shelly, out of nowhere, decide to murder her husband, even though she was well aware of this project the entire time? So at the end of the film, Shelly just pulls out a knife and straight up stabs Frank in the chest, killing him. Now, again, back to the whole thing. Why would the simulation kill these men? Doesn't make any sense. But also, why does Shelly, out, seemingly out of nowhere, with no motivation, no, no instigation, no catalyst, no buildup of character development, why does she just all of a sudden, like, you know what? F you, stab you right in the chest. If there had been a character arc for her of showing some kind of dis- disillusionment, resentment, rebellious nature, and an unhappiness with the program, absolutely, I would totally buy that, and then it would be deserved to see, and it would make sense. But to have Shelley just be behind Frank the entire movie, backing up everything he says, and also in kind of looking as though she's kind of like the number two in a lot of ways, for her to just all, all, all of a sudden just stab him in the chest made absolutely no sense. And speaking of Shelley's rebellion, an, another thing that made no sense at the end of the film was when Alice, after she killed Jack in the house and she left her house, she's got a little blood on her, but she's obviously just extremely overwhelmed with the emotion and the dramatic events. She leaves her house and then the other wives and husbands walk out of their house too. I don't know why they just all, all just like walked out of their houses. And then the women are just like staring at Alice and then they're like, oh, it seems as though like they they know what just happened and what is going on, even though no one's explained anything to them. Nobody knows why Alice left their house. In, in a realistic situation, the neighbors should be like, Alice, are you okay? You're covered in blood and you look upset. Like, what's going on? Nothing. Not a, said was, not a word was said. Instead, the, the wives start just like rebelling against their husbands. And then the husbands are like, oh shit, you said this could never happen. But for these characters to react this way, with no explanation, no uncovering of any facts. Only Alice knows what's going on. These other wives have no idea. But for some reason, they act as though they do. I was like watching it like, why are they acting like this? They don't know why she's upset and they don't know why she's covered in blood. It would only make sense for them to like really ask her if she's okay. Next up, why would they give wives the same memory of meeting their husbands if they want to avoid suspicion? If they don't want there to be a rebellious nature to any of these women why are they all given the same memory implant of meeting the husband on the on the train or the bus that for me made no sense at all also frank saying that like alice is a challenge and he's then he's like disappointed in her i was just like what is ex- exactly this challenge that he's looking for someone to question the reality then on top of that the lobotomization we don't need to see like an actual physical lobotomy. It seems like it, j- it could just be some code that Frank could write to uh, erase Alice's memory of what's happened instead of actually having like to lobotomize her in the simulation. Just be like, oh, I just got to write some things of code, which seemed to be easy enough for him. I mean, the lo- lobotomy also seemed completely unnecessary. What exactly are these earthquakes throughout the film? Uh, the ground shakes, houses shake. Um, seems to be like either earthquakes or it's implied that it's the men working. This happens several times in the film. It is never explained, not for an instance. When the movie ended, I was like, what about all the tremors? Like, what is going on? Why were we not told what's going on? Maybe they filmed deleted scenes, but like to not explain this thing that kept happening in the film, 
I was like, come on, can we just get any information about what is happening in this movie? And then again, another thing that was just like kind of just for show was was Jack's uh, promotion by Frank during that that uh, performance that night out at at the gala, and he promotes Jack and get into like this new higher level of the company. And then I understand that like he's maybe trying to give Jack some moral support. He's I think he could see that Alice is kind of getting to Jack, and maybe Jack's starting to question things. So then Frank gives him this promotion. I get that. I think that w- could have worked if the promotion actually meant anything. Because if you think about it, what exactly is the promotion? It's nothing because the guys aren't doing anything. I mean, they're not working. I mean, Jack's just working like probably random jobs in the real world. So the promotion was just meaningless. And so it didn't, it didn't make sense for Frank to try and win Jack over by giving him a promotion that meant absolutely nothing. Because when Jack gets the mo- promotion, he was questioning helping Alice out, and I, I'm sure questioning whether I should really tell her what's going on, but then he got the promotion, it changed his mind. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm promoting now. What exactly is the promotion? Because you're not doing anything. Next up, my final question is, if this is such a highly controlled simulation, and Frank is the puppet master, designer of this simulated world, how is it that Alice is just so easily able to walk up to the headquarters in the first act of the film, she goes to the headquarters. It couldn't have been easier. And all we had was that bus driver like, oh, I'm not supposed to go out this far. He knows that she left to go in this direction of the headquarters. Didn't inform any of the men. Didn't inform Frank. Makes no sense. Also, for her to just be able to walk up this hill and then go up to the headquarter building, Frank didn't even build a wall around this place. He didn't like... like it wouldn't make sense. There should be like barbed wire fences around this thing. But instead, because like if the woman touched this headquarters by the rule of the end of the film, if they touch the headquarter building, they get exited out. They're exited out of the simulation. So don't you think it would be a good idea to put some barriers around this headquarters? So again, I think that this film had a really interesting setup, but the fact that they just kept establishing these things, these story beats, these elements these moments and very important aspects to the world and then completely failed to explain any of them. I found that to be disrespectful as an audience member. We're giving you your time. Um, We're trusting you to tell us a good story and then just to not even make the effort to explain this stuff. I found it to just be a really bad storytelling and really lazy filmmaking. And I wanted to like the movie. I really did. But I just found myself by the end, by the time the credits rolled, extremely frustrated, feeling like uh, my time had just been ripped off, um, feeling like my money was just taken out of my pocket. And I found it to just be a completely disastrous story. Uh, the filmmaking aspects of the movie are high quality and very good. But, you know, story is king. I felt like they didn't even make the effort to really try to help the audience along the way or to really tell us why this world existed, tell us how it works. Instead, it was just a bunch of half-baked ideas, um, and it felt like a never-ending first act of a movie. And I wanted to like it. I really did, but I can't say that I did. Um, I found this to be 
just kind of, you know, a slap in the face to people who were trusting these filmmakers and actors. Not the actors' fault, but but I will say Florence Pugh is, I think, one of the best actors working right now. And she kept the movie tolerable. If it wasn't for her and her acting, I would have left um, halfway through the movie. So it's because of Florence Pugh I watched the film. Now, if you like the film, I'm happy for you. Just not my cup of tea. I found way too many plot holes. It might be the most plot hole filled movie I've ever seen in my life. But if you enjoy the movie, I'm happy for you. Um, I respect your opinion. But my opinion on this film is that it was just all fluff and no substance at all. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But thank you for tuning into this episode. We're going to do more small reviews of movies like this. You can follow us everywhere. Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. There are a lot of great movies out this year. And so if you haven't seen any of them, check out our library of recent episodes where we've been reviewing and talking about some of the best movies of the year so far. At this moment, I highly recommend you check out Tar, Cape Blanchett and Todd Field's excellent movie. It might be uh, my favorite movie of the year so far. Um, but otherwise, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you listen to my tirade uh, with open arms and maybe a little humor. Um, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Take care. Raiders of the Lost podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.